Hello, and welcome to the River Audio Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We believe God has something unique to say to you, and our hope is that you feel His love stronger today than ever before. Enjoy the message. If you've got your Bibles, go with me to Genesis 35. Genesis 35 and starting in verse 9. We're going to read through the 15th verse. And God appeared unto Jacob again. Somebody say again. God appeared unto Jacob again when he came out of Padanaram and blessed him. And God said unto him, Thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called any more Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. And God said unto him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall be of thee, and kings shall come out of thy loins, and the land which I gave Abraham and Isaac. To thee I will give it, and to thy seed after thee will I give the land. And God went up from him in the place where he talked with him. And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him, even a pillar of stone. And he poured oil, and he poured a drink offering thereon, and he poured oil thereon. And Jacob called the name of the place where God spake with him, Bethel. Somebody shout Bethel. Now pray with me, but would you stretch your hands toward me? And as I pray, would you pray that God would help me, that I will get out of the way, and that I would be yielded to his voice, and that I would preach his word and not my word, his heart and not my opinions, that God would fill me with fire this morning to preach whatever he wants to say in the simplest of terms that we'd get something out of it. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for your blessing and provision. Thank you so much for your help. Thank you for this word and this message. I need you in order to preach it and to preach it your way. Father, help me that I would bring your heart, your mind to the people today, that everything that I say and do, Lord, would point people to faith in your finished work. Father, what you do in me for speaking, do in all of us for hearing and receiving, that we would understand, that we would receive it by revelation knowledge, and that we would take it with us to do something with it. We thank you for it. In your name, amen. Amen. So, we have this account. We've been talking a lot about Jacob lately, which, by the way, y'all had church last Sunday, didn't you? A move of the Holy Spirit. 
You broke the plate. Great, great, great stuff. We see Jacob here. And we remember a few weeks ago, we talked about Jacob wrestling with the Lord. You remember when we talked about broken? You remember when we talked about pressed? And now we find Jacob meeting with God again, meeting with the Lord in this place. And it says that he met with him again and he blessed him again. He met with Jacob, and he blessed him again. Now, you recognize the terminology because God here says to Jacob the exact same thing that he said to him 20 years earlier when he wrestled with the Lord. 20 years before this event, Jacob wrestled with the Lord said, I will not let you go. And God blessed him and said, your name is Jacob, but you won't be called Jacob. You'll be called Israel. So now, two decades later, he meets with God, and God says, your name is Jacob, but you will be called Israel. 20 years later, God says to him that same thing that he already told him 20 years before. You know, sometimes we need reminded that God changed us. Sometimes we need reminded that God has set us free. It's funny how radical it is when God delivers us, when God saves us, when God changes us, when God blesses us, when God calls us how we then get used to it, how we then get used to it. And then somewhere along the way, in our pridefulness of just thinking we've always been this way or whatever, or we get lax and we kind of forget about it, and somewhere along the way, something reminds us, oh, yeah, God changed me. God set me free. God gave me a brand new name. And aren't you glad that God will change your name? You're not what you used to be. Sometimes we need reminded that God changed us. And sometimes we need reminded that he charged us. I didn't get saved to sit. I didn't get saved just to go to heaven. I got saved to invade earth with heaven. I didn't get saved to, yeah, come on somebody, I didn't get saved to wait to go to heaven one day. I got saved to bring heaven to earth to move in with the kingdom. He said, pray, thy will be done as, as it is in heaven. And so we are kingdom citizens we are agents and ambassadors of heaven. I got saved to do something. I am saved to serve. Somebody say that. I'm saved to serve. 
So sometimes we need reminded that God changed us, and we need to be reminded that God charged us. And sometimes we need reminded because it takes a while to bring about the thing that he promised long ago. Delay is not denial. Just because the promise is taking taking a while does not mean you have been denied. Sometimes the answer is yes, but it's not right now. Because there are things that have to be worked out. It's funny when people get saved or really when people get filled with the Holy Spirit and all of a sudden they are full of fire and they are full of zeal and they want to go and do all kinds of things for God right now. And they don't understand why doors are not opening yet. And it's because we don't yet have wisdom to match our fire. We have zeal, but we do not have maturity. We have revelation, but we don't yet have growth. We might know how, we might know a piece of knowledge from God, but we need a backstory and we need a foundation. And too many people, too early in their life, you see how young people are destroyed when they're thrown into fame? Because they've got all of this attention, but they don't have the life principles and they don't have the experience to handle. Their position. Now, God will call you early or else you'd never start moving toward it. But some people think that God has called them to do everything right now. And sometimes it takes two decades. Sometimes it takes some hard knocks. Sometimes it takes some correction and some challenges. And you got to have some stuff broken off of you. Your humility has to be as great as your anointing. (laughs) If you've got anointing, but you don't have humility, you'll be destroyed. And if your position is that you've been lifted up on the praises of men, what happens is that when your fans leave, you come crumbling to the ground. And Jesus says, no, your ministry cannot be built on your revelation. Your ministry cannot be built on people liking you. Your ministry cannot be built on your charisma. Your ministry has to be built on the rock. And it's got to be built one step at a time from glory to glory and from faith to faith. I have to promote you in my time. So here is Jacob 20 years after, and God's saying the same thing. God's saying the same thing. You see, Jacob had some issues to resolve before he could step into the blessing that already belonged to him. The blessing belonged to him, but he couldn't operate in it. He had to resolve some things with Esau. Come on, somebody. Any Bible students? Anybody know Jacob and Esau? He had to resolve some things with Esau. And if you read up to this point, he he also had to put away the idols of his family. Jacob was Israel, but before Jacob could step into Israel, he had to belong to God completely. And right before this happens, he tells all of his family, bring all your false idols. We're going to get rid of them. We're going to get rid of them. And many times, God has offered things to us, 
God has purchased things for us. God has given things to us, but we can't appropriate them because we've got too much of our own stuff still in the way. You say, God, I'm begging you to speak to me. But the garbage you're listening to on the radio is louder than the still small voice. So God is speaking, but you're not hearing him past all the stuff that you're filling your eyes with and your ears with. Sometimes we think that we're waiting on God to bring about what he promised us, but many times he's waiting on us to obey. Am I talking to anybody this morning? So now it has come full circle for Jacob 20 years later, and God is saying the same thing to him. Now he is stepping into the role of being Israel that God had called him to be long ago. So when Jacob has this meeting with God, and God gives him this charge, and God is more descriptive with him here than he's ever been before. God gives him more instruction than he's ever given him before. God talks more about himself and his relationship to Jacob than he ever has before. So what does Jacob do? Jacob makes a memorial. Jacob makes a memorial. We need to remind ourselves that God has touched us. We need to remind ourselves that we are not what we used to be. We need to remind ourselves that we are in this world, but we are not of this world. My citizenship is in heaven. First and foremost, I'm a child of God and a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. If the world goes this way, I go this way. He set up a memorial. We need to have things in our life to remind us of who we are in Christ. Church is one of those. We need the church. We need the church. Jacob made a memorial. So God met with Jacob. God ministered to Jacob. God instructed Jacob. He gave him vision, and he gave him direction. Because God met with him, and because God gave him instruction and vision and direction, the Bible says Jacob called the name of the place Bethel. Jacob's response to God visiting with him Jacob's response, God just met with me. God visited with me. God spoke with me. I should call this place Bethel. Somebody shout Bethel. Bethel literally means God's house. Bethel means the house of God. Bethel means the place we meet with God. 
The place that God visits with us, the place that God appears to us, the place that God gives us instruction, the place that God gives us vision and correction and strength. Bethel. Bethel. Now, when he decided to declare that place as Bethel, when he decided to declare it as the meeting place with God, he found a rock. I am so sad because, you know, I do these illustrated messages, and I'm getting better about not waiting till the last minute. And so two weeks ago, I ordered a rock. You're going to have to use your imagination because it was, it was a big rock. And then it should have been at my house before I got home from my trip and said, running late, still coming. Running late, still coming. Two days ago, it said, you might want to go ahead and ask for a refund. So my rock is not here. I need it to make a memorial in your mind to remember this message. When he decided to declare that place as Bethel, he found a rock, a pillar. The Bible says he poured out a drink offering. He took wine and he poured wine over that rock as a drink offering. You can find drink offerings being offered throughout the Old Testament. Now, in this, it was a standalone. It was usually in correspondence with the sacrifice of a lamb. So he finds a rock, and he offers a drink offering on the rock, and then he pours olive oil on the rock. He poured the wine and the oil, both costly, both costly, both expensive. If he had taken something cheap, it wouldn't have been much of a memorial. It meant something to him. So it was worth sacrifice. It was worth giving up something of value. It was worth giving up something that cost him something in order to remember something that he could not measure the value. He poured the drink offering in the oil on the rock. You see, it's not an offering if it doesn't cost you anything. An offering is not an offering if it doesn't cost you anything. I'm amazed at the people that say they're hungry for something from God, but if it slightly disrupts their schedule, eh, not so much. Not so much. The widow woman who gave two mites, fraction of a penny, was counted by God as a big giver. Because it cost her something. It was a sacrifice. It took faith to give up that which would take a lot for her to earn. Now, there are people that have 
let go of impressive amounts of money, but it didn't impress God because it didn't cost them anything. Bill Gates would have to give up an awful lot of millions before it would be like you giving up a $10 bill. Somebody asked Bill Gates one time, they said, how wealthy are you? He said, if I'm walking down the sidewalk, he said, if I would accidentally drop $1,000, he said, if I would take the time to stop to pick it back up again, I'll lose money. An offering costs us something. An offering holds value. Anyway, he sacrificed and he poured out wine and he poured out oil on the rock. And I want to tell you that where the wine and the oil are on the rock, that is the place that God meets with us. In case you don't know, wine is a symbol of the blood of Jesus. Specifically in the drink offerings of the Old Testament. We know this because Jesus tied it up in Luke 22 and 20. You have to add that to your note sheet. I think I missed that one. Luke 22 and 20. At the Last Supper, before Jesus goes to the cross, speaking symbolically of his sacrifice to the cross, likewise also the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. And he gives them wine to drink from the cup, but he says his sacrifice is the cup poured out in the New Testament covenant. And so now we find out when Jesus does this, that every time that a drink offering was made, that it was really a prophetic picture of when Jesus would spill his blood on Calvary's cross. So wine is a picture of the blood. Oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. We talked about that a few weeks ago. And we know that the rock is Jesus. So Jacob finds a rock, Jesus, and he pours the wine, the blood, and he pours the oil, the Holy Spirit. Friends, the place where the rock became bloody and the Holy Spirit flowed, that is the place where God meets with us. Our faith in what Jesus did on the cross is where God meets with us. Bethel. Somebody shout Bethel. We call our churches the house of God. But in order to be a church, 
Can I tell you there are a lot of churches that ain't? In order to be a church, it has to be established on the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Or it's not church. You don't have a church without the blood. You do not have a church without the cross. You do not have a church without the Holy Spirit. Bethel. Bethel, the place where the blood and the oil and the rock meet. I'm not interested in a crowd. A crowd is fun, but you can have a crowd in a lot of places. So my heart does not beat for a crowd. I'm not interested in a number I'm not interested in a gathering, but I am interested in a people assembled, somebody assembled, assembled together, placing faith in what happened at the old rugged cross and letting the Holy Spirit move in his power and do whatever he wants to do. We can not help anybody without the blood and the spirit, the wine and the oil. We can't help anybody without the wine. We can't help anybody without the oil. We have nothing in ourselves to offer. Luke 10 and 30. And Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves. He was robbed, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him. He got in amongst these guys that were thieves and they stole everything he had and they beat him, and they stripped him, and they left him on the side of the road for dead. Departed and leaving him half dead. And by chance, there came down a certain priest. Oh, thank God, help is on the way. A religious figure, a leader in the community, somebody who is versed in the law and in the word of God. By chance, there came a priest. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. This one with answers, this one with resources, this one with means walked across the street to get away from the one who was in need. His need made him uncomfortable. He didn't want to be around that circumstance. He had status to uphold. He had position. He had things to do. And he walked across the street 
to intentionally avoid the one with the need. Salvation Army. Who started it? Somebody tell me the name. Anybody remember his name? Nobody. We're terrible Christians. <laughs> Who was it? Booth. Thank you. General Booth was before the Salvation Army, before he was General Booth. He's attending this church, and the pastor, one Sunday, charged the congregation. He said, there are too many empty pews. He said, we need to see this church full. He said, go out and find people. He said, and fill the place up. Booth took it to heart. Immediately that week, he went out into the highways and into the hedges. He began to find the homeless and the destitute, prostitutes and down and out. He began to bring them to church. And they began to fill every place. Some of them didn't look like everybody else. And they didn't smell really good. And the pastor came to him and said, what are you doing? He said, you told us to fill the church with people. The pastor said, I didn't mean that kind of people. Heartbroken, he left and founded the Salvation Army. Can I tell you that when this preacher says to go and find them, I'm talking about that kind of people. I'm talking about people that are messed up, that are tore up from the floor up, from the guttermost to the uttermost. I'm talking about they're strung out. I'm talking about they've lost their mind. I'm talking about they're hooked on all sorts of stuff, and I want you to bring them in. I'm going to tell them about the only one that can do anything about it. I'm a nobody telling everybody about a somebody that can change anybody. Go and find that kind of people and tell them the door is open. Tell them there's a family here that's waiting. Tell them there are people here that love them. And he walked to the other side of the street and passed by. Oh, but wait, but wait, but wait. Likewise, a Levite. Ah. Now, this is one of great status. He's from the right line. He's from the, the right family. He knows all the right stuff, and he has the resources to do something about it. Oh, thank God. A Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him. And passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, he's in the wrong part of town. 
and he's not really supposed to have anything to do with this situation. But something in his heart moved that was bigger than racial divide. It was bigger than protocol. It was bigger than minding his own business. And as he journeyed, he came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him and he bound up his wounds, pouring in the oil and the wine. And he sat him on his own beast. And then he brought him to an inn. And then he took care of him. And then when he needed to go back out, he gave extra money to the innkeeper and said, here, you do what I would do if I was here. I've got to go and do some other things, and you take care of the man. Religion will walk right past you and leave you in worse shape than it found. Somebody say, but the, the church, but the church. Somebody say, but the church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ will stop and pick you up. The church will strengthen your weaknesses instead of shaming you. The church will pour in the oil and the wine. When you come into the church and you say, I don't feel like I fit here, I'm too messed up, we say, oh, we got some wine that will take care of that. Come on, somebody. They say, but I don't look like you. I'm all beat up from sin. I, I, I'm aged and I'm dried out from the sun. I got some olive oil. It's okay, baby. We'll rub that on there. You'll look better in a few weeks. We're going to pour in the wine and change you from the inside. We're going to pour on the oil and make the outside look like the inside. We're going to stand with you. We're going to lock arms with you, and we're going to see you through, and then we're going to send you out from the inn. We'll take care of who you brought in, and you go find, find them busted up and people. Find them messed up. Find them broke up. Find them busted up and give them a hand up instead of a hand out. The church will give you rest and care for you. Now, once in a while, religion might toss the one on the street a handful of change, but never offer them a change. The lost world doesn't need a handout. They need a hand up. We need the oil and the wine. The good Samaritan 
came to the man when the man couldn't get to anybody. And then he paid his bill at the end. Jesus is the good Samaritan. He could not get, and he did come to us because we could not get to him. He paid a price we could never afford for a debt he did not owe. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be the righteousness of of God in him. Do you know that when you got saved, you are now righteous? You are now holy? Don't let your actions lie to you. Don't let, don't let your thoughts lie to you. Don't let your outside lie to you about your inside. Insist that you are righteous and make your outside line up with your holy inside. Jesus paid the bill and said, you can keep the change. The blood paid the price, and the Holy Spirit performs the transformation. Jesus poured in the wine and the oil. This place is supposed to be Bethel. It's supposed to be a place of the blood and the oil founded on the rock. But it's only Bethel. When we lean on that rock, when we preach that blood, and when we operate in that oil. And it's not just this building that is supposed to be Bethel. 1 Corinthians 3 and 16. Know ye not that you are the temple of God. And that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Somebody, I am Bethel. Now, Rose, make those shirts and y'all can buy one. I am Bethel. Somebody says, you are Bethel. What does that mean? And you say, oh, let me tell you about the oil and the wine. We will never be victorious if we don't allow ourselves to be broken on the rock. If we do not allow the rock to crush our will. We must take our faith off of ourselves and put it in the blood. Put it in the wine. And we must spend time with the oil, with the Holy Spirit. Jesus showed us that we pray to the Father in the name of the Son with the communion of the Holy Spirit. 
We must spend time with the Holy Spirit and allow him to flow and the oil. Our lives, the wine and the oil. Honey, if you have the wine and the oil, you have it all. This is why pastors in the Ukraine that don't have a home and that they are after them right now are smiling and saying, the harvest is here and this is our moment. Because they're satisfied with the oil and the wine. You may feel. You ever have a hard time witnessing to people? You ever see people going through great tragedy and you think, what could I possibly say? You see people that have gone through dire straits and tremendous loss. And you think, what, what would I offer? You may feel like you've got nothing to offer to those who are around you that are lost and broken. Just give them Jesus. Just give them Jesus. Give people Jesus. Then give the people to Jesus. Well, I tried to tell them. I don't know what they're going to do. That's none of your business. Your business is to give them Jesus and give them to Jesus. You love them, you offer truth, and that's it. You just keep on loving. Well, I don't know how to handle this. I'm, I'm uncomfortable. I've never been around somebody with that lifestyle, and I don't, I don't know what. Your job is easy. You give people Jesus, and you love them. And tomorrow, you give them Jesus, and you love them. And the next day, you give them Jesus, and you love them. And in 10 years, you give them Jesus, and you love them. And the rest is between them and Jesus. You pour in the oil and the wine. The rest is between them and God. I've got nothing of myself to give, but I've got this oil. And I've got this wine. I've got nothing to give you but Jesus. If I could fix you, I would have fixed I Well, the preacher over there. No, 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 no. I need the same thing you need. You need Jesus, and I need Jesus. You need the Holy Spirit, and I need the Holy Spirit. You need the Word, and I need the Word. I've got nothing to give you. I'll give you somebody. I'll give you Jesus. Now, this is going to blow your mind because we got seven minutes until noon, and I'm done. So write it down. <laughs> write it down. Write down the date. If you need something today, I want to pray for you. But I'll have to tell you like Peter and John told the man at the gate called Beautiful. Silver and gold have I none. 
but what I have I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. Give him a hand clap and a shout. Get on your feet. Praise team, will you come? Thanks again for listening to the River Audio Podcast. We hope that these weekly sermons are an encouragement to your life. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week online at theriverworshipcenter.org and on Facebook and Instagram at The River.